Welcome to the Legendarium. <laughs> Glad you said it because I thought it. <laughs> you know, that can't go in the intro, but I wish it could. That's awful. That is awful. Welcome back, everybody, to a momentous episode number, I believe, 162. This is A Memory of Light, Part 2, uh, a continuation of our discussion that we just wrapped up, but that you heard a couple of weeks ago. Um, I am Craig Hanks, your host, and over there, he's like legendarium herpes. We got him once, and now he just won't leave. It's Ken Johnson. That's true, and in an hour, it'll just... We'll be in start the itching. It just be flare up. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's one person in any world, real or imaginary, who is more useless than Gowan Damadred, it's got to be Kyle Lemon. Oh. Take you to my world of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps telling us he has a heron marked blade, but for some reason he won't prove it. It's Ryan Bruckman. Because <laughs> I can't show it because of legal reasons. <laughs> this is a family show. <laughs> All right. So, welcome everybody to our final regular Wheel of Time episode. <laughs> Uh, this doesn't mean we're done with the Wheel of Time per se. It just means that we are done reading the Wheel of Time. Uh, so we are in- immensely grateful to everybody who has tuned in. Um, this show has been running now for about four years. Let that digest for a moment, Ryan. Uh, for about I already have enough regrets in life. <laughs> <laughs> no regrets. Um this show has been running for four years and there are some really uh, distinct noticeable bumps in listenership. And uh, one of them came when we started doing uh, Mistborn mm-hmm. back in the day. One of them came when we did our year of Sanderson and we read the rest of him and, and kind of brought in a bunch of his fan base. Uh, but then the biggest jump by far has been when we started reading The Wheel of Time. And so not only has it been a ton of fun to read the books, but it's also been really gratifying to just see how uh, how many other people have really enjoyed these books, how many people have enjoyed our discussions of them. Uh, so I, I hope that, uh, you know, meandering and uh, worthless as they really are, <laughs> I, I'm glad that you guys have seemed to enjoy them. And I do hope that you'll stick around when we move on to other series. Just Just like this, um, other series won't last forever. So if we do one that you don't uh, particularly care much about, for instance, the next one is the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, if you don't really care about that, don't unsubscribe. Do us a favor. Don't unsubscribe because we're going to get to something cool, you know, in your mind. We're going to get to something cool eventually, like a, uh, like very quickly. Spoiler we have feeling, episode of Oathbringer. We have other episodes, Star Wars episodes. Yep, exactly. Can, we, we have little things going on. So, uh, yeah, so don't go anywhere. And you know when Sweeps Weeks for podcasts come through, we'll come back to Wheel of Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Can I can I say, by the way, it's it's been a lot of fun interacting throughout all of this on, on Reddit with yep. the listeners. I, honestly, I, I didn't expect to... I, I expected to read the books, talk to you, Yahoos, and read the next book and, you know... But it has been so much fun seeing the interaction and seeing how much people actually care about these books. Yeah, it's this is something that I'm not sure that I would care to repeat um, because, and what I mean by that is uh, this has been 14 months, 14 months That's crazy. of a book a month for The Wheel of Time. It's been exhausting. Uh, it's been stressful. 
but it's also been incredibly rewarding. Um, like I said, all, all the new listeners coming in, that's a ton of fun. We wouldn't have a subreddit if we hadn't done Wheel of Time uh, because yeah. of one enterprising um, bane of Ryan's existence named Joffu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, there, this I know this is a lot of throat clearing, and I, I appreciate appreciate you guys in, uh, working with me on this a little bit. I just uh, I, I'm feeling a little sentimental. I hope that's all right. Uh, it's it, it's just been a ton of fun. I am looking forward to moving on to other things. Uh, there's a lot to read out there, so hang with us and uh, keep the suggestions coming. And uh, if we read something that you haven't read before. Well, that's the entire point of all this. We want you to read along with us and engage with us on the subreddit and all can that I, stuff. Can I throw in a comment that you made to me the other day? Oh no! Just so the listeners know that how was how, this? A, was this about my rash? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should get that mole looked at. By the way, um, no, Craig was saying the other day that he actually referred to himself in his mind. As a light blinded idiot. Oh no, it was a, a light blinded fool. <laughs> a light blinded fool. Yeah. And so we now know that a wool a wool headed idiot, light blinded fool. There you go. Yeah, those are creeping in. And uh so he's now, you know, ingrained in the wheel of time. It yeah. has its Tarvalon talons in him. Yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> uh, I've kind of internalized this and I'm looking forward to internalizing something else. I don't know what that means exactly. I was going to say, where are we filthy. going with this? Red Rod Turangrio. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to realize that the next thing we're going into, if Craig starts calling himself Aslan, we're screwed. Uh. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about A Memory of Light. Um, and, uh, oh gosh, you know what? I'm sorry. You guys, can I do one more slightly sappy thing? Uh, that is, I there is um, talk out there of a Wheel of Time TV series, and you know, hopefully, whoever takes that on doesn't screw it up. That'd be great if we had a good TV series. But it, no matter how good it is, I do want to say I will always and forever be grateful to Michael Kramer and Kate Redding for bringing these characters oh. to life. I'm not sure I would have made it through all 14 of these books in the time necessary if I hadn't had the audiobooks and if they hadn't been so engaging to listen to. They're fantastic. They, they do such a fine job. I, I really like them. We were talking about it off air, but I want to say it because I know Michael Kramer's listening, but the way you say Saldaya, <laughs> always, I just like, oh, the Saldaians are my favorite now because just because of that, because yep. of the way he says it. So, yeah, they will, uh, yeah, she'll always be the Egwene in my mind yeah. he'll always be matt you know in my mind and so it's it's kind of interesting to to go through something like this i don't know if i have another book series where like if they made mistborn or something I, I wouldn't have some other character already in my head they 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 kind of brought him to life before anybody else did for me so what are you laughing at ryan kate redding also gave us the golden terra boners <laughs> terra boners that's true that was you know what there's a lot of stuff in these books <laughs> <laughs> like a pronunciation guy should probably be checked on a couple of those, but you know we're good. <laughs> you know, if uh, let's let's just let's just assume that it was split down the middle, uh, word count wise, and she had to read out loud two point two million words. I'm gonna cut her some slack on a few of those. So Sounds it's not good. like she read so, them all at once, though. Tara boner it up. I don't mm -hmm. care. Split down the middle isn't that what happens when you tear a boner? <laughs> <laughs> Glad you said it because I thought it. <laughs> You know, that can't go in the intro, but I wish it could. Uh, that's 
awful. Oh. That is awful. <laughs> okay. Uh, to the eight of you still here waiting for us to renew <laughs> to talk about the end of this book. Uh, let's let's Welcome actually to- do that. So we've been waiting uh, till now to talk about the actual ending. And I'm talking about, you know, the, the cave. The Cave of Wonders, uh, the the inside of Mount Doom, where Gollum and Frodo are battling over Kalendor? Sure. So, let's talk about that. Um, Ryan, ending. Satisfying? Uh, how'd you feel about it? Um, I will say satisfying, yes. Uh, I, I, I think I said it in our uh, Towers of Midnight discussion. One of the things that when I came into this book I was most looking forward to was figuring out what does this battle actually look like. And, you know... You're, you're talking about Rand versus the Dark yeah, One. Yeah, Rand versus the Dark One. Um, and I got a little bit of everything that it could be because it started out with him facing Morden, which made sense. I was like, yep, yeah. okay, champion of the dark, champion of the light, facing off. But then it goes one step bigger and Rand touches the dark side, the darkness and ends up being pulled into the real conflict between he and the Dark One. Um which is beautiful um, in the sense that it's a very wonderful exploration of the purpose of balance in life. Uh, because as we talked about in the last episode, you know, it, they kind of reach a stalemate when they realize Rand can't kill the Dark One because that world would not be a good world for people. And if the Dark One took over, it would be an absolute hellscape. Um, you know, and the Dark One, I think, actually has a, a line in there where you're, um, he says something. Um, uh, if w- when I recreate the world, there will be no good and evil. There will be only me, and mm-hmm. so it. And when we get to see that little bit where Nynaeve is back in the two rivers, and you know they're punishing people, I, yeah. like to us we view it as a hellscape. But if there's no good or no evil, then yeah, it totally makes sense. And so you want to take a chance and have a little bit of a philosophical discussion. Any of the possible outcomes of the Rand Dark Lord conflict. You can talk about their per- like the the pros and cons to each one. You know, we already talked about a socialist utopia. Talk about the the hellscape of the dark side there. Um, if well worth the time looking into that, and then to come out of it and not really like resolve that per se. There's no final decision there, but to come out of it and then they pull the old switcheroo using Kalendor and you know then seal the dark one and everything. Like I was like, oh, oh, oh. That's genius. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it was great, and it it made sense. There, you could look back and see the little pieces that were uh, that had been laid there to realize that the only way to seal the dark one in entirely and the flaw that was missing is that they didn't have the true power before. You had you were missing pieces to be able to truly seal the dark one in. You know, that's why his power is able to slowly deteriorate the seals before. There, he has an ability. He has something that's not holding him in, but now he is sealed. Like I don't, I don't so, think he's coming back in another cycle. So here's my question on that: um, the the dark one, like you say, he is he is well and truly sealed away. Rand has created a prison for him without the weakness that the last one had. Um, what is the difference functionally for the world and for the pattern between that and killing him? I'm not sure that I get it because the whole point of this is now the dark one can't touch the world like he did before. Um, because he's sealed away. What what's the functional difference between that and him being dead? Um, I would say best answer I can come up with is balance in the fact that he's still a weight on the other side of the scale. 
for good and evil there he's, because he still exists yeah there. I, I don't know if i buy that there's there's that but having him there still allows a choice if there's a dark one there people can still follow him people could try and figure out a way to free him right like there's still an option there and if that option is gone that's when the scales tip really hard the other way right, right. so what rand has done is said yeah you can choose it but good luck getting it's not a very viable choice right so to that point um when when the boar was originally drilled by Lanfear and they actually unleashed the dark one back in the age of legends again we've talked about how the pattern is all about balance the age of legends there was a pendulum shift towards too much good it was this utopian society there wasn't as much there wasn't war there wasn't evil necessarily and the pattern is allowing the dark one's influence to seep through and and tempt you know, Lanfear and the other people in the Age of Legends to try to drill through and find that power. Um, so to Ryan's point, having the Dark One exist, it's not that he can't necessarily influence mankind or whomever that's inside the pattern. He cannot reach through and touch the world as much as he was doing before because he's sealed outside of the pattern. Same, same way as like the creator is outside of the pattern. But the creator can influence what's happening. Um, just the scale to which they can is going to differ. And what Rand has done in this instance is essentially rewoven the pattern in com- incompleteness. It didn't actually make a, a prison with seals like he did last time. He's just reconstructed where they've uh, where they drilled the bore, and so it's now one complete pattern with no flaws in it. Right. So I have a I have a question for you, Kyle, and. I know this doesn't have an answer because I've gone looking. <laughs> the very, so good luck. <clears throat> the very end of this book, he throws one little twist in there, Rand lighting the pipe. He has no longer oh. has access to the one power, but he still is able to apparently oh, alter the pattern. Oh, this brings something up for me. He's okay. able to alter the pattern to the way that he was doing it earlier with the apples and everything else. He's still able to do that. Mm-hmm. So when you say the creator is out of the pattern, I'm like, not saying Rand is the creator, but is he out of the pattern? Because Rand, mm-hmm. having touched the very fibers of the pattern to reshape them in his visions, mm-hmm. is now still able to alter reshape that. the pattern. That yeah. is, I mean, that's my head canon. I mean, that's the best way I can describe it because it, it hasn't been. This is the the debate for Wheel of Time. It hasn't been. I don't think even Brandon knows whether or not Rand, like how Land, how Rand actually lit the pipe. Um, but my headcanon is because he was exposed to the pattern and was able to touch the pattern itself, um, he can manipulate it on a small scale. So yeah. that's my headcanon. He's decoded but the matrix. Pretty much. He Depending the on one. the scale at which he can do it, that's either the lamest thing ever. He's like, well, all I can, all I can do is light my pipe. What are you, what are you <laughs> saying? I can light pipes? No, I, <laughs> I no, Rand. I'm saying when time so comes. So yeah, I mean, there is no, there is no definitive answer. That's what I just choose to believe because I've done the same thing where I've tried to find it online and there's just so many different theories and whatever. This is the easiest one for me to just be like, oh, I'll accept that and move on. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to talk yeah. about free will. Uh, we brought the, this up. The whale free will. Free, yeah. <laughs> his, uh, his, yeah. His full name is William free William. Uh, anyway, uh, no, free will. We talked about this back in, gosh, it must have been like book two or something. And, and I was starting to get a little bit uneasy about how 
free will works in this universe and does anybody really have any choice and you actually said something in the last episode kyle that uh, kind of brought this back for me and that's the the, the thing about pot on fane and if ran had actually killed the dark one maybe pot on fane is being set up as a replacement dark one um and then he's no longer needed and so the pattern uses matt to kind of cut him out literally and <laughs> And then there's, um, so the question then becomes, would Rand be allowed by the pattern to lose his battle with the Dark One? Uh, because you're talking about, and, and it's, it's a thing in these books, the, the wheel, the pattern needs balance. Uh, it can't accept too much pendulum swinging. And so if the Dark One has his way and he gets to impose his vision, that's just going to create all sorts of problems for this pattern. And and so a, as I got to the end of this, I went, well, that's that's great. They won. But I'm not sure that uh, that there was ever any possibility that they wouldn't win because of that question of free will and how the pattern weaves itself. Are you are you Ex saying that the side wouldn't win or that Rand wouldn't win? Both. both all of the above. The thing, the, the one reason piece that I have to answer that is... The Dark One would not be rewriting the pattern. He was literally planning to destroy the the pattern the wheel, yeah. and the Wheel of Time so that he could create a world where that pattern no longer has any sway um, at all. So the pattern, it wouldn't be a matter of could the, pat like it, could the pattern have prevented him from losing? No, because it, it, its life was on the line with its champion there. Yeah. That was the whole point of that sequence there. Okay. Yeah, uh, and the whole point, yeah, and the whole point of Rand coming to that epiphany is that he can't kill the dark one because he's essentially doing the same thing as the dark one wants which is taking away which that is, free will yeah removing um, agency which yeah well we've seen we saw in his vision he thinks he's doing something great and mm -hmm. you know he goes and visits newly reformed elaine and she's just as you know dead inside mm -hmm. behind her eyes as she would have been if the dark one had won and a agent it, the whole book is, is an allegory for the importance of, of agency and free choice i mean free will Again, Ken yeah. with the words. <laughs> I what? Don't, I don't see. I don't see any allegory in here, but that's fine. The whole, the whole story is that. Well, I have allegory. I guess maybe not. It's fine. Okay. But right. whatever. But it's it's Ken. Agency Ken, is pervasive throughout this I, entire book. I'm really looking forward to teaching you what allegory means when we move on I to know, Chronicles of Narnia. I know what an allegory is. I just didn't <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. Uh, okay, I am a dick. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're a red uh, rod Tyrangriel. I'm a red rod Tyrangriel. And proud of it. That one uh, should be. That should be Reddit flare right there. Well, no, it shouldn't. <laughs> what else do you guys want to talk about? And 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 I do say okay with the free will thing. That is one call out that I will make when we put this on the uh, Reddit forum and make a thread. I want to hear everybody else's thoughts about free will in the Wheel of Time. So, uh, what else do you guys want to talk about? Uh, kind of along this line, um, with you know making choices is. Uh, I, I asked Kyle this after I got almost through the book is, is Elaine's sacrifice made me think what Egwene, Egwene's thank you. Uh, sacrifice made me think what, what makes a person good? Because then I thought about Loghain and that was my question is, well, Egwene is clearly a good person. She sacrifices herself. She gives no thought to it. Knowing that this is going to burn her out and kill her. She does it anyway. And it made me ask, well, is, is Loghain a good person? Is Matt a good person? We know Matt's a good person. I mean, he, it says it in the book. He does. He does. The he right doesn't thing. want to do the right thing, but ultimately he just does it naturally anyway. Logan kind of does the same thing, doesn't he? 
look, uh, I don't know. But I mean, but he needs a little bit more convincing to do it. Is the thing. But ultimately, I'm, I'm a little. Con- I'm kind of conflicted about Logan. I I hope that he learns a lesson, but he it's never explicitly stated that he has learned the lesson. Right. Uh, but Min's viewing, if I'm recalling correctly, from way back in like book two or three or whatever it was, Min's viewing is that uh, Logan will achieve the glory Lord. of men, or so, you know, some phrase mm-hmm. like that. Right. And and the lesson here is that uh, you don't need power, you don't need um, whatever it is that he's after. That mm-hmm. uh, that. Sangreal. Yeah. What you need is for people to look up to you, to be a hero, to people to be an example. That's what makes you a hero. That's right. what gives you glory. That's kind of the lesson for him. I'm not sure that he got that. <laughs> I there yeah. there was a little bit of warm fuzzy going on when he's like saving kids, and, saving you know, yeah, and, the saving mm-hmm. the refugees. So there's, and... there's a little bit of that, but at the same time, I kind of still got a sense from well, him of like yeah, and part yeah, of what drives Logan, part of what drives Logan is that. He, he feels that he needs to have all the power so that it can't be taken from him again That's, because he was gentled and then reinstated or whatever. But the idea of being gentled again, when he sees uh, Demondred with his powerful song, Grial, and he thinks to himself, if I had that much power, you know, nobody could cut right. me off from the source ever again. He's He's got a healthy grudge against life. I mean, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that classified as healthy but he's definitely got some healthy as in a a lot of yeah not healthy as in it's good for him but but i mean and and you can hardly blame him i mean because he's been through Mm -hmm. it in 14 books but i think (laughs) ryan's checking out (laughs) you look like you were about to fall asleep yeah my my ultimate (laughs) assessment is my ultimate assessment is is yes he's good but he needs a little reminder that he's good and i think that the core ashaman that he has around him I mean, looking forward to the books that will never be written, but I, I think those core Ashaman that survive that will probably be his inner circle are a good nudge to keep him as a good person. Maybe. You know, Narishma. I'm Nathos, just not sure you know. I care, honestly. Eh, maybe not, but yeah, he Lo- served his purpose. He served his purpose, but I liked him. Uh, so he was Ryan, there to shadow the seals. What do you want to talk about? Did you want to get back to the cavern or uh, something? The, the cavern, the Rand's battle. Oh, Oh, uh, no. Actually, there's another cavern. This is a very short call out. Um, one of my favorite battle tactics, though, was hiding the dragons inside <laughs> oh, of the cannon. Yeah. And then just opening up a gateway, blasting it, and then closing the gateway again. And I was like, that's how war. Because I, when they first introduced the dragons, I'm like, and uh, Brigitte makes a comment about warfare changing everything. And I was like, how would you, in a world where power, like the one power is so dangerous and so deadly, how would you combine the tech with this? And to see them right. do that, I'd. I appreciated that. And then they turned him into a fireworks thing anyway at the end, and he, you know. <laughs> Which is what they started my, as anyway. My favorite bit from that uh, was the throwaway line um, where some some Ashaman knew about this cavern and, and took us there. What kind of person would even know about a place like this? <laughs> and then it's left. You know, there's no there's no explanation of who knew about it or why. But your your imagination can kind of run wild. Like this Ashaman needed a cave <laughs> for <laughs> some reason. His cave of oh. wonders. <laughs> cave. I thought that was uh, Grendel's cave. N- uh, was it? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure um, it was Grendel, or what do they call her now? Ugly, oh. ugly woman. Ugly woman. Oh, okay, Hesalam. Hesalam. That's another. That's another point <laughs> we're going to get to. But uh, I thought that it, I thought that it was her cave that once she was 
taken care of when she was gone, mm-hmm. which her end was one of the most fitting. If you want to talk about fitting ends, oh, yeah. I really love the way that uh, she ended. Was she the one that got uh, the collar? No. Oh, that was uh, that was, that was Mogidian Mogidian. again. Mogidian got the the collar back on her. Um, she ended up had uh, the compulsion backfired on her. Right. And she, now she's Avienda's slave. Yeah. Uh, both of them reminded me a lot. Did you guys ever watch The Shield? No. That show on FX. Oh man, yeah, what a show! Big Holy fan of Michael Chiklis, but I never um, got into it. But uh, it has a similar ending, shall we say? I'll I'll just leave it there. If you haven't seen it, if you have, you know what I'm talking about, and it's uh, yeah, it's similar. So the I, other I like those. The other creative use of gateways I wanted to get to, I mean, because there were several, was um, his brilliant, utterly brilliant, and I wish I'd thought of it. Use of uh, of Hinderstep. Yes. <laughs> Now and, and and poor Grady is sitting there opening gateways for people who are going to get slaughtered, and he knows it, and he's got to reconcile that in his mind. And all of a sudden, the exact same people come through again, and he's like, "What?" And they just they run rampant over these trollics. It it's awesome. It's one of those that looking back again. It's one of those when because you when you first heard Hinderstep, I remember you saying, "I don't understand why we and need why this. is this here?" Well, and and honestly, still. I would say, okay, we didn't need this. This was a yeah, great. Was fun. This is a great way to work it back in uh, and give it a little extra meaning. That's fine. That's, I yeah. still say Hinderstep is pretty unnecessary. However, that was a ton of fun. <laughs> it was fun. Well, here's one of the other things that it's kind of difficult to to keep in the front of your mind as you're reading the this book and and the Gathering Storm and Towers of Midnight is it was supposed to be one book. I don't understand who in. <laughs> <laughs> who in their right mind thought that all of this could be contained in one wasn't, book? Wasn't period. this all supposed to be a trilogy anyway? Like, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, at the very beginning, it <laughs> thank was? you, Modern Publishing. Wow. It's it's one of those things that I think that had it been one book, the monster that that would have been, you know, it having it appear earlier on in the book and then being reutilized later, it wouldn't have felt quite as unnecessary uh, because there wasn't a two book delay in its reuse in its callback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, Thoughts on Oliver? Blowing the horn? Anyone care? Oliver Horn. Uh, that's one of my favorite parts, to be honest. Oh, is it really? It's one of my favorites. Um, I thought it was neat. Yeah. I uh, I re- I had a hard time reading it this time, because I haven't reread this since I've been a dad. And now that I'm a dad, I had a really hard time reading it. Like, oh man, Oliver. Like child in peril. Yeah. And, yeah, that, uh, I, I admit, that was hard. Because like, oh my I think we did talk about this on an earlier podcast, where we're like, why is Oliver here? Why do we care? Like, whatever. You know, he's just kind of around and i thought it was a really good way to work him in um and i immediately think to myself i know that this is not what it is but i always think of little boy blue when <laughs> over blows the horn and i'm like oh that's one of our like you know what? folklore little boy blue. I, I don't know little boy blue oh, all right sorry Never mind. No. the sheep's in the meadow the cows Anyways. in the corn anyway whatever cats in the cradle and the silver spoon yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that <laughs> anyways so i really liked over jim um, Croce in the pattern i liked that it wasn't Fail that blew the horn. Um, I like Fail a lot, but I like that she didn't get the chance to. I did like that callback um, though to the horn. She was a hunter of the horn when we first met her, and here mm-hmm. she is getting the yep. horn. Good for I'm, her. Yeah, you know? I'm happy she was found, but I will say that I chuckled a little bit that she was left under a dead trollic for a very long time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Parents out there, you know, crying and freaking out about mm-hmm. losing his wife, and then she's just barely alive under a dead trollic. Um, so you're not the only one who really likes Olver. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Brandon Sanderson named one of his children Oliver uh, in part after Oliver the character and in part after uh, James Oliver Rigney mm-hmm. 
which is uh, Robert Jordan. I was gonna say this real is. Name. I think that over is the cameo, like the Robert Jordan cameo in this series. I think so. so mm-hmm. The uh, okay. the over enthusiastic, really annoying, ugly child. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, makes, he, sure. he will never be who handsome. saves the day and brings the heroes, <laughs> including brings Brigitte back. Thank yeah. you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make um, it right. Yeah. So why why do you bring Oliver up? Just I didn't bring him up. Oh, did. you did. He just said, why "What do you think about him?" him? I said, it, "I liked him." Yeah, and it's it's mainly because I it's a very Return of the Kings moment. Return of the King, Kings. Return of the King. Okay, you said Kings. Mm-hmm. I I thought you meant like the Sacramento yeah, Kings. Uh, maybe no, no, no. The, you know, <laughs> my fan fiction. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Return of the King, where you know you have the army of the uh, the, the those who are still bound to the oath. I was a little disappointed he didn't say this army. Coming in, and I I was curious as to if that was done as a conscious decision, or as an homage or anything like that to Tolkien and his work, or if that was. So I'm not sure what you mean. Like a pink, undead pink army uh, comes oh, in and yeah, and sweeps and through the sweeps field, through the field to take a, the day at the, end. the good people. Uh, oh, maybe yeah. I suppose uh, I know that that's not really it. Depending it's, on the version you're you're dealing with, if you're talking the movies. It's yeah. a lot more apparent than in the books, whereas they because they had a different purpose in the books. It did right. give us the chance to see uh, that Jane Varshider was now a hero of the horn. Yeah, which, which was pretty sweet. Cool. Got his official hero of the horn moment. Yeah, that was great because he uh, that line all of in Oliver's perspective is Jane Varshider came for him. Yeah, I just That's, I love that that that, had, that had me when we're talking about moments that like get you all teary eyed oh, or whatever. Yeah. When somebody finally came back for for over, that was like over. like people keep leaving me people, and Jane Farstrider will never leave him. That is yeah. that's a good moment. Um, you, moments for me, I look. I'm sorry, Kyle, <laughs> but I love Egwene. I love sure. her so much, and uh, I I did not appreciate that she went, but if she's got to go, um, I did like the. Uh, Sure. The, what is, uh, the, the flame of Tarvalin. Flame of Tarvalin. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, that was a good moment. So that one kind of got Saiyan me a little move. bit. That, that's exactly right. She went Super Saiyan. Um, I also, uh, I I got a little bit. Uh, it, it was a it was a knife to the heart when Swan went. Yeah, that was a little kind sad. of unceremoniously as well. Yeah, and it, it was this whole thing where it's like, um. I'm trying to remember all the circumstances, but she and Garth Brynn are separated for some reason. She meets up with Min. And and Min says, what are you doing? You're Mm -hmm. supposed to be with Garth Brynn or you're going to die. And she says, I don't care. This is more important. This needs to be Uh, done. And And talk about a a heroic attitude where, you know, obviously she'd rather be with Garth Brynn Mm -hmm. if she had her druthers. But, uh, But no, she is there because she knows what's important and she pays the price. I don't know, because she does... She does say, <laughs> "I know you had this whole vision, and we, but saved, we already fulfilled that. Yeah, vision. we saved each other's lives a few times, and then boom, tent blows up and peace. Well, swung. no, but but Min does say she says at some point like that's yeah. not what I was talking yeah. about. Yeah. This is still it's still, still hanging see, above yeah. you. And then she says, I don't care. Yeah, no, you, yeah. this right. is more. You are right there. Yes. So screw you. Swan's awesome. Good night, yeah. Amsterdam. It was, it, was a, it was a great crescendo for her. I loved it. Yeah. Great final moment. Boom. I, yeah, yeah. I, it, here's the thing: is a, a billion people died in this book. Oh yeah, and so yeah. the the earth, out the population of this world is very very small <laughs> by the end of this book. Exactly, everyone will know everyone in a very short period of time. I yeah. will. I'll still argue that uh, I was surprised and a little bit disappointed by how many people did not die in this book. Speaking of, let's go back to the end. 
Uh, okay. Body swap. Uh, uh, Let's talk about it for a minute. Okay. Thoughts, uh, feelings. Felt like... Because uh, people that died but didn't die. Can I tell I, you... I think Craig and I are similar on this. Do you want to say it? No, I want to hear what Ryan has to okay. say. I, I want to tell you why... I I actually... I. I like it. I like the mm-hmm. concept of, of what they had been building up for so long as a way for Rand to continue. The part of this that was so hard for me is that I could not visualize the scene of the four women or the three women over his dead body without visualizing the end of episode one where Qui-Gon's on the pyre. I think. <laughs> that is exactly what's going through my head this whole time. These three women just kind of standing there like Yoda and Mace Windu just, mm-hmm. yeah, we know he's not dead. We're going to go find him in the woods, you know. Mm-hmm. We've got a yeah. red rod terangriel back there. We're, <laughs> we're gonna have a little celebratory get together. Um, oh boy! Yeah. Oh, this, wow. this just got saucy. But I, I love the concept. Um, it was a great way to both kill your character and not at the same time. But yeah, I have uh, heard... yeah. You, okay, so I felt a little Harry Pottered on this one. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. have your cake and eat it too. So he, it feels a little bit like. Um, the disingenuousness that I felt at the end of uh, The Dark Knight Rises where Bruce Wayne oh. pretends to sacrifice himself oh. um, and, and they, yeah. he lets them like build a monument to him and, and all that and he's like out sipping tea in Italy or whatever. But at and, least it was built in to the, to the story. True. No, I'm, I'm look, yes. all I'm saying is mm-hmm. that I, I had certain feelings. Sure. And I may, I, I reserve the right to amend those as I learn more about yeah. what I just read and as I reread it sure. in the future, that's fine. But how I felt when I read it was just a little bit like like how I felt at the end of those stories. Like with sure. Harry Potter, everybody knows Harry Potter was supposed to die. He had to die. It's not, it's not a great story unless he dies and J.K. Rowling knows it. And she knew he had to go and yeah. so she killed him and then she goes, oh wait, never mind. But he'd become I, so beloved and such a big deal at that time that she's like, I can't kill him all. <laughs> I, I've just, I've, I think I've both, I have said before that I disagree with that yeah. premise. So that's yeah. that's fine. That's fine. I I did like how they worked the bond between Rand and Morden back in there yeah, at the, the very end, where he stabs his own hand and Rand. Well, because the Balefire streams crossed way back in book eight or whatever that was, and so the pa- the pattern is trying to force these two souls into one, to becoming one. They're slowly being more and more intertwined, They're and able so to find it was each other in it was inevitable things. that they were going to merge. And Min has the viewing of two men becoming one, and Rand has always thought that that viewing meant him and Luz Theron reintegration. And it very well could be. I don't know that we have a like. A if anybody knows, answer, yeah. if anybody knows, yeah, please correct us on Reddit. But I always my head canon is that wasn't referring to Rand and Luz Theron. It was referring to Rand and Moradin. Well, I, I two think, men becoming one. I think Luce Theron knew it too, because way way back when it was Luce Theron that said the three of us are going to destroy the world. Mm-hmm. And I think he was referring to those two and Moradin that, as the that three. That brings up a whole lot of questions about Rand's future and what his state of mind is, and uh, all this. Stuff. Anyway, yeah. Obviously, we're never going to know all that stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I thought it was interesting. If you go back a little ways, the first time they describe Moradin. I, I think it's the first time they do. It's actually that he looks like Rand. Oh, right. That they, they're oh, already mm-hmm. kind of similar. So there's your first foreshadowing of mm-hmm. there's going to be a swap here. There's going to be something there. Um, what? Yeah, what I really like about this body swap ending, not necessarily the actual physical like swapping, but it gives both characters, Rand and 
uh, Ishmael, Morden, Elon. Exactly what they wanted. Exactly what they wanted. Because yeah. Elon is his whole soul, personality, whatever, is now consumed by Rand, Luce, Theron, Entity. They've now merged into one. And he is now no longer in the hands of the Dark One, where the Dark One can reincarnate him or whatever. He gets his oblivion. He gets his nothingness that he's always wanted. And he gets it going out celebrated as the hero and savior of the world because his body, air quotes, is Rand's body. Mm-hmm. And he's on the pyre and everybody's celebrating him as this, you know, the dragon reborn, the savior of the world. And Rand gets to be the nobody knows him guy that can just go back to a farm and not have to worry about the fate of the world anymore. He gets to wander Randland yep. as he gets to be David Carradine and himself, which is the only thing that Rand has ever wanted was to not have to be the dragon reborn. And so they yeah. both get their endings that they wanted. Um, so I thought it was a really, really cool way to wrap all that up. I wanted more epilogue. I wanted to see more of what you happens and everybody. To, else. I wanted way more. <laughs> I wanted. Epilogue. I wanted to see what happens to the guys who live. You know, to everybody. I wanted to see. Uh, I wanted to see Tam Althor go back to uh, become mayor of the two rivers. I wanted to see Fael take over as queen of Saldea. I wanted to see. Um, what do you mean Saldea? Saldea. I want. You know. I wanted to see. Uh, I wanted to see Aradoman and uh, and. Uh, Crap! Where was the uh, Rodo like Teralda from? Who cares? Um, anyway, I wanted I wanted to <laughs> I see them. I, don't I wanted to see them start picking fights. I wanted to. Oh, yeah. uh, so, so you want? Yeah, he's a demonic. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. All what, kinds what, of stuff. People want to know where what Matt and Tuan it, are going to be up to. All that stuff. Yeah. There's a thing called fan fiction. You can go, and I'm sure there's. Oh, a lot I'm there. sure there's plenty. Should we talk about Kyle's fan fiction? Hey, no. But, actually, I want to pull up something. You said that when we finish this book. You were going to call somebody out on Reddit oh, for spoiling oh. something for you, and I want to know yeah, what that that's was. that's right. I don't... I I refrained... I thought about digging through the Watts subreddit archives to see if I could find who it was and call him out, but I decided that would just be unnecessarily mean. <laughs> but screw you, somebody on Reddit... Uh, for titling a post, what do we make of Rand lighting his pipe on the last page of of A Memory of Light... And I'm I'm in like book seven at this point, and I haven't gone back to the Watt subreddit since, just because I'm terrified. Here I was terrified of having everything spoiled. Yeah. And weren't you just there to like link to the podcast? I, I I don't know. No, I wasn't there for that. I I can't remember exactly what I was doing there. I you know I, yeah, I liked sure. to kick around and read what people were saying. And they're um, fairly good at spoiler free titles. Most people but... are very good about it. But let this be a warning to anybody who is uh, hanging out there on the Watts subreddit or anywhere else. Please be careful. That is a huge spoiler. Because as yeah. we've been talking about for the last five or ten minutes, you know, does Rand live or die? That's a huge question. And it's a debate about whether he should or what, you know, whether the pattern will let him die and all this stuff. Yeah. And uh, and it was just utterly spoiled for me. Terribly inconsiderate. I didn't know how he was going to survive. I I didn't know about the body swap, and that's great. Like that was interesting, but um, that was I, I am a person who really appreciates not having things spoiled, um, and I know I'm not the only one. So that was um, boy, I was angry. I am. I glad was. I, I was really angry. I'm I, glad I, I made it through 14 books without knowing. And your your uh, tip kept me from doing it because I was like I'm not even touching that subreddit until I'm yeah. done you know and so anyway I don't know who it was but screw that person <laughs> that was just awful 
So uh, I wish that that had been kept intact. But uh, let's let, can can I move on to yeah, something else? Yeah, sure. Because that's I, a that's a huge thing that people were going to be like, why didn't you talk about this? So I wanted to bring us back to that. I, so, yeah. yeah, that's thank you for reminding me. I just don't I, I still actually I, I literally feel really angry about it and I don't want to dwell on it. So what I want to talk about is my Return of the King moment, Ryan. Okay. Um, so, mean Kings. That's right. Vladi <laughs> um, Divok. I couldn't stop thinking of uh, of nice. Return of the King, and this is just this is just something that a thought that I kept having as the battle kept going and kept going and kept going. Uh, we're in the last battle for hundreds upon hundreds of pages, and I kept thinking of the ending of the Return of the King. And you could uh. take either the book or the movie, either way. But let's just say the movie. A lot of people like to make fun of the movies for uh, they they keep ending for like twenty twenty five minutes, and people like to make fun of them for it. Well, I've always said uh, that's totally fitting because, quite frankly, this is one giant movie. And if you have a two hour movie, uh, you might have five minutes of wrap up and epilogue and kind of uh, you know a, a sort of coming coming down off of the climax of the movie and uh, returning to real life. Well, if you're going to have a book or a movie that's five times the normal length, then, it, you know, it seems reasonable. You have something that's uh, five, times, five times longer for an ending. And that's all I could think about as I kept reading this battle was uh, just reminding myself that, no, this is... Okay, so we have 14 books and... In, if if uh, you had a uh, a single one of these books had an ending, it might take up, you know, thirty pages of uh, of ending and and uh, bringing all that stuff down. And in this case, you have fourteen of those books, and so I think it's fine to go ahead and just draw this climax out to half a book. And, um, and you know, and and that was the thought that kept coming back mm-hmm. to me was it's okay. This is not a normal story or if it is it's so stretched out that mm-hmm. this makes perfect sense and structurally i think they did a pretty decent job of keeping the scenes relatively short i mean they were it's all one giant battle but there was a lot of cut scene to the next person oh, to the man. next person to the next person so many it felt very cinematic yep. and so they did a really good job of okay we're going to drop a 200-page chapter on you, but we will give you some breaks here. That was a great moment when I got to I, whatever chapter it was, 30-ish. 37. And I looked down at, because uh, I'm reading it on my Kindle edition, and I looked down and where it says, it, it'll normally say like uh, 38 minutes left in this chapter, 24 minutes left in this chapter, and I turn the page to that one, and it says five hours and 58 minutes left in this chapter. And I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me. <laughs> I, I, I'm not kidding. I, I took a flight from Salt Lake City to Long Beach and started that chapter at one and a half speed. And I only got from the flight there to the flight back, not listening in between. I still was only halfway through that chapter. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot. Yep. Uh, but that's fine. I will say on, on the note of um, the, like the publishing structure or the story structure or whatever, the battle between Rand and the Dark One, the way that it looks on page for me really lends to the drama of that moment. Yeah. Because everything you see from the Dark One is all caps. Um, it's pre- So if you're listening on the audiobook, obviously he, he, gives, they it do, a, he gives it a good They do voice, a very but... good job of, of making that happen um, audibly. But on page, it was really cool because you get that sense of overwhelming 
force whenever the dark one speaks because it's all caps and then it goes back to rand and it's normal and it, but it just feels so much more insignificant compared to what you just read on page from what the dark one's saying but did you notice that when rand achieves when his he, uh, when he when he decrypts the the uh, the matrix mm-hmm, or yeah. whatever he gets all caps yep yep uh, and he becomes nigh unto a god yep. right and absolutely so, so I loved cool how, touches. Yep. I loved how the Dark One calls him adversary. Mm-hmm. It's just—it's a simple little thing, but Which man, it isn't that adds a lot of weight. Isn't that the word that in I, I'm talking about real world stuff here that so many cultures actually use the word adversary to describe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Satan yeah. or or whatever that character is mm-hmm. in, in their Shy mythology. Ten. So adversary is a pretty fitting word for him to it's try to twist around. Fantastic word, great use of a word by Jordan. So, uh. So who brought up names earlier? Me. We need, we need to talk names. <laughs> um, yeah. Kyle, go. Names. Um, I, I'm on record saying this is my favorite book series of all time, but I can objectively think about some things that I don't like. And I'm really tired of the fact that there's 2,500 different named characters, but we have pretty prominent characters that keep getting their damn name changed. <laughs> <laughs> a forsaken dies we call him by something else uh, oh Sean, and they oh and they look completely different and they too. look in, completely different sean chen culture we're just going to rename you it's the same character but we're just going to call you something else um tuan just decides to change her name in the middle of nowhere i mean i realize she's ascending from daughter of the nine moons to empress but and then she changes everybody else's name from a reader's perspective it's it's already Egyan, an impossible and becomes Lyle when yeah it's an impossible right. task to keep these names straight anyways and so when you're doing a shell game on us and saying oh no we're gonna call this guy this and we're gonna call her something else it's hard i <laughs> yeah. agree wholeheartedly yeah. and it uh all of a sudden matt's no tie eh, go away <laughs> can you imagine uh the 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 D sheets that you would have on all these characters if you're sanderson and you get the call and uh and and what what's her name jordan's widow says uh says hey uh could you do me a favor and learn everything mm-hmm. oh gosh about everything and then finish these books. And, and can you imagine, so you've got all these characters and you have to, I, I imagine there's a sheet for each character, a quick reference guide to who each character is, where they are, oh, what, sure. what, their, what their main characteristics are, do they have plus five defense or whatever. Um, and all the, the list of alternate names that you've got and who calls them by this name. And it the would just be, database. oh my yeah. gosh. And, um, so so hats off to anybody who can take that on and, and actually master it uh and then the other thing i was thinking of is uh with all this um last battle stuff i don't know how much of it was already sketched out by jordan uh and, and how much sanderson did but let's just say it was all jordan uh still how much how difficult would it be to write that and to know where everybody is and how this action affects this thing mm-hmm. in 150 pages and yeah. and it's everything oh, yeah. is crossing all the time i i'm just i'm picturing him as one of the great captains in the story and he has this map in front of him and i would not be surprised at mm-hmm. all to learn that he literally had a map oh, on I'm a sure. table in a room and he's moving figures around oh, yeah. 
and trying yeah, to absolutely. trying to wrap his mind around mm-hmm. where everything is going with this story. It's amazing. And kudos to him. And we've mentioned it before with different devices, but for putting that necessary like those necessary plot devices in the story. So like Taviran, the idea of Taviran, hey, I need something to happen, but I've built it into the story as this device of Taviran. So when it happens, it doesn't seem out of nowhere. And with this whole last battle and how time shifts or time passes differently, the closer you get to Shail Ghoul, um, time slows down. And so you can have this massive worldwide battle or this world war happening that's happening over the course of days, weeks, months, while Rand is still in the moment having his battle with the Dark One that probably took few hours. a few hours in from his perspective. You know, Nynaeve and, and Moraine right there didn't have didn't have as much time pass yeah. as everybody on the battlefield. Yeah, because yeah. you can imagine trying to write that and trying to structure it and you run into this problem of, you know, it, it, assuming that time is running the <coughs> same everywhere, you run into this problem of, okay, well, this confrontation isn't going to take that long. Uh, I can't have these characters in the cave for a week and a half with mm-hmm. no food and no, you know, I, I yeah. can't do that. What am I going to, when is Rand actually going to confront the Dark One? Uh, where Where is it going to fit with the rest of the battle? And then suddenly the idea hits. I can shift the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a genius stroke just to keep the story moving along. And, and so you can continually cut between all the different uh, and have every- locations. And have everything feel realistic. Yep. Um, because yeah. It, well, <laughs> ish. Uh, well, it's I a, mean, it's a f- within its fa- world. It's an f- epic <laughs> fantasy novel. So realistic within the, yeah, within I, the world, just, within the confines. But that, uh, yeah. yeah, because the flip side of that is okay, this battle isn't going to take that long. It's going to take Rand a total of eight hours to fight the Dark One. And if you flip that over to all the battles that are happening across the world, in eight hours, nothing significant can take place. Like, there's no right. room for maneuvering. There's no room for the drama. They're just going to be, you know what I mean? It doesn't It doesn't come out the same way, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so... Uh, Lanfear, I do want to talk about her and maybe yeah. some of the rest of the Forsaken and the ends that they come to. We've already mentioned a couple of them. Uh, I, I, I don't, I didn't care about Demondred, and so when he died, I was like, oh, okay, good, mm-hmm. got him. Did you care about when he appeared? I no, I didn't. Um, when when he appeared, I I I thought to myself, oh, that's a guy so, who's been around. I, but I, so I you and Ken were in in uh, Tame and Dread camp that Taim was. Demon Dread for a long time, and uh, this book reveals that he's not. Yeah, so, I. Well, I mean, Craig was until I got off that until, train uh, right at midnight. Of yeah, he said no, I don't, I don't think it is anymore, and I hopped on right at that moment. In so one of my, me. in one of my all-time favorite Ken moments, I don't think we got that on mic on microphone. Unfortunately, uh, maybe we did. I don't know. When uh, when Ken said, you know, Craig, I, I think you're right. Taim is Demondred. And I said, oh, actually, I, I think I'm I'm kind of off that train. I don't like that theory anymore. And then you immediately said, oh, yeah, me neither. <laughs> that was my favorite. Uh, okay, so yeah, I didn't care about Demondred when he showed up. And I also really, really didn't care about the Shara. The Sharans? Sharans. Yeah, the Sharans. Um, I, it felt really weird to be introducing such big pieces onto the board in the middle of the climax. Yeah. 
Um, I actually had to go and look up the shards. Like, who are these guys? It. I. Again, this is, and I'm going to use the movies because they're the easiest reference point for me at the moment. It's another Return of the King moment. The Oliphants and everything coming in. Like, I was like, all the what? The Oliphants. The Oliphants. And oh, the, yeah. all of those these people who we have maybe referenced once or whatever. I was like, oh, okay, so this is a thing now. Like, I, I liked. I liked that Demondred wasn't Taim. I liked that it wasn't predictable. But at the same time, I was also like, oh, sure. So there's a whole, there's, how big is this world? How many other continents are there of people that, right. you know, and obviously they had their prophecy that they were, you know, that Demondred was there to fulfill and bow the willed. It was, I, I liked when he showed up. It, it was a kind of a holy crap moment for me, you know, in terms of, you know, in terms of, of scope. And I immediately thought, I would have liked to have seen this sooner. Like I would like to have seen something about this sooner, but at the same time, it might not have had the effect of surprise if, yeah. if we had. And it so. played into taking a strength away from the good guys because the Sharans were specifically taking out, like they were war, war channelers, right? Yeah, they well, were taking out one power users, and it was like you channeled around them, they caught you, right? You were so. well, and there, um, there was plenty of allusion to it. I mean, every time Demondred showed up, he talked about the armies he's creating and stuff, mm-hmm. and and my, all my of that. My rule but, is secure. Yeah, I was gonna say this is where the reread. You know, he, and we've had sure. this debate before. Yeah, he, he whether you need the reread plenty, or not. So, but this is where the reread. You'll actually see that they do talk about it quite a bit more than you realize the first time through, because there's so much going on in the book. It's hard to keep track of, but mm-hmm. it it is alluded to. A lot more than I was thinking after, when I when we read it for the podcast. I was like, "Oh yeah." When this I went, is, this is much more subtly laced in there than I first thought. When I looked it up, I found out they were referenced in the Eye of the World, and I'm like, "I don't remember that at all." <laughs> um, so, yeah. The whole reason I brought all this up is to talk about Lanfear. Yes, and how much I loved Lanfear in this book. Uh, it was quite a nice switcheroo. This is one uh, Forsaken that I was pretty satisfied with in the end. Um, Lanfear has been uh, disgraced, killed, brought back as uh, not not a crone like uh, like Grendel, but uh, still beautiful, uh, but not her former self. Not her former self, um, and she's been given a new name and all this stuff, and. Um, and she comes to Perrin as uh, in in the wolf dream, and kind of you get this feeling like you know I wonder is she that is she that awful has she really turned a new leaf because of her interactions with Rand, and uh, and then at the end of the book there's a the great reveal that no this nope she's still she is a she is an awful awful ice queen bitch. <laughs> and unapologetically yeah. so and she is out for herself and it was i i thought it was a fantastic little twist which rand calls her on right which, which is fantastic when he says have you ever what does he say have you ever done something not for yourself or something along those right lines. yeah I, I love the way that rand drops the hammer on her earlier and just says I'm, I'm done with you i don't i don't think good of you i don't think bad of you i don't think of you i i'm done with you and walks away and that's when she goes hey Perrin, what's up <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, so she's great, and uh, I mean, as a character, mm, obviously, yeah, for sure. she, right. she she had a great ending, and uh, she was the most satisfying of the Forsaken in the end for me. I was I was looking forward to more uh, Moradin mm-hmm. stuff, and and more of a confrontation between him and Rand, 
I uh, didn't really get that. I didn't care about Demondred and et cetera, et cetera. We've already talked about them. Um, so yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Final thoughts. Gosh, this is kind of tough to do because it's final thoughts basically for the series. The series now, because we're gonna have another sure. at least one more episode. But uh, yeah, final thoughts on this book. Uh, who wants to go first? Cad Swain is the new Omerlin. Really, that's what you're going with. I'm, for your I'm just final throwing. It, I know, I'm throwing it out there really quick. Is this your final thought? I would, I wanted is to this, see what you guys. Is thought this your about. final thought? Sure. Well, yeah, that's the best you get. That's no. the hill you're gonna die on. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yes. Uh, I I pretty much expanded. Okay. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. Other stuff, um, so. I, I don't care. That's fine. Cad Swain is the Amberlin, whatever. I thought it should have been Sylviana, but yeah. You know, I think it's, it's Sanderson's politics. way of punishing her. Because that's the last <laughs> thing that Cad Swain wants is to be the Amberlin. She's you know, it's mentioned in the series several times that they've tried to make her Amberlin and she doesn't want to. And so because we know that Brandon Sanderson doesn't like her, he's like, ah, I'm gonna make her Amberlin because screw that guy. Uh headcanon, the dark one actually won, and this is how we know. Bella is because now everybody is in their personal hell. Uh, <laughs> with Cad Swain. Yeah, starting, with, starting with Cad Swain. Um, it's just okay. very subtle, mm. right? Uh, okay. Now I I had a whole list of like questions and predictions, but I, eh, um, I'll die that hill. Okay, all right. I will say, you know, no, I want to save it. Do you, either of you guys, um, Ryan or Kyle, you have anything you want to say? I'm still confused as to why it's called a memory of light. Okay, what do um, you mean? Uh, not every book has been super clearly titled right. uh, there are some that are very obvious the dragon reborn the great hunt the eye of the world very clean very clear at the very beginning there start getting later in knife of dreams uh, maybe if it was a dream spike something like that you were talking yeah. about i don't know uh winter's hearts uh, they're getting weaker there um gathering storm made sense yeah. towers of midnight Ish. arguable but made more sense a memory of light um well, and maybe that's part of the reward is, um, a, you know, well, sorry for bringing in other series here, but Journey Before Destination, mm -hmm. maybe instead of giving us uh, a very clear cut um, uh, title, it, maybe he's uh, he's trying to give us a title that will make us think and will lead us to think about the story as it is. I, I don't have any answers yeah. for you, but maybe it's something that will reward you in trying to find your answer for why it's called that yeah and uh, i'm i'm sure that i can find that I, as a whole the book is fantastic and i'm amazed at the at the craftsmanship of of writing a thousand page battle essentially like <laughs> it's incredible and i yeah. i would you know if if you're in epic fantasy i the, this book alone is is worth the time to to take to get to it i think yeah um but yeah I, there, there's still a lot of questions i have um, unanswered, which maybe they'll be answered on a reread. Maybe they won't be answered at all. I know Brandon has said that there are, are things that earth-shattering truths, I believe as he put it, earth-shattering mm -hmm. truths that no one has asked him about yet. Want the in, direct quote? Yeah. There are things about the Wheel of Time ending. There are secrets that fans have not yet discovered and which nobody has asked me about yet. Major things, major kind of world-shaking Wheel of Time things that are foreshadowed in the last book that no one has yet figured out or asked me about, so that'll drive them a little crazy. No kidding. Hey, thanks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate you. 
that's not a giant middle finger. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, Kyle, final thoughts? Um, I'm just going to give you a couple of rapid fire favorite things that okay. happen, like just small things. Yeah. Um, the We touched on it a little bit. The sparring between Tam and, and Rand was really cool. Um, Rand learning to let go. Rand creating a new version of the Crowns of Malkir for Lan and Nynaeve. Um, I thought it was really cool that Sanderson brought Alana back in where Morden had, had wounded Alana and left her basically there to die so that it would wound Rand because they're bonded. To drive Rand Warder crazy, yeah. Yeah, because they're bonded. And that Nynaeve basically had to keep her alive during the last battle. And that was like Nynaeve's whole thing other than using Earth. lending power. Yeah, using she, her because she'd she given Rand yeah, she her couldn't magic. have her, her channeling. Nice um, call back to you know, her. So I thought that was kind of a cool little touch. Um, Matt just being Matt. And the way that he refuses to, like, he's he's part of the Sean Chen now as the Prince of Ravens, but he refuses to not be Matt. Um, and the whole dynamic with him taking over all of the battle. And um, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Matt has the, the least character arc, and it fits because he's already who he needs to be. Oh, the, the scene with Matt, or the scene when Egwene realizes that she trusts Matt. Yeah. Was one of my favorites. <laughs> yep, I, uh, uh, I wish we got that. He's one character that I we probably should have given a little more time to, even though it's not really character growth. It's it his is the some of the most enjoyable parts to read, just because it it's fun to watch a genius mind work. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna keep losing to win. And the, uh, and the callbacks from Demondre just saying like, "There's no way that anybody other than an ancient or a battle master could be doing what he's doing." Or when, and just. When Moraine says, uh, well, if if age and memories are mm-hmm. what counts, then uh, Matt Cawthon would be the patriarch of us all. And just the way that everybody talks about him in this book, when you've got Elaine and she's trying to decide whether or not she's going to trust him, you've got Egwene trying to decide whether or not she's going to trust him. And it's just so interesting to me that none of them have figured out yet until this moment that Matt is an okay guy. That Matt knows what he's doing. <laughs> and that really he's the only person that can take this on. Yeah. So anyway. And my favorite nickname given to him by Arthur Hawkwing, Gambler. Gambler. Oh, yeah. So uh, my final thought, I was thinking a lot about something that we've touched on in previous episodes, and so I apologize if uh, this feels like repeating myself. Uh, I hope I'm not. But whether we would recommend this book and whether, you know, we could talk about whether this series will live on because that's kind of a question that we've had in the past about other, about other things. Uh, when it comes to recommending this series though, it is um, even at the end when I'm, I'm left with an ending, it's a satisfying ending. It uh, leaves me with lots of questions. It makes me want to reread all this, all this stuff. I'm still wondering who do I recommend this to? And uh, the answer that I came up with, and you guys can sound off on this, we're already over an hour, but this one's going long anyway. Um, But the answer I came up with was, if you are over the age of, I'll say 16, maybe 18, uh, then this, I would not recommend that this be your first fantasy book or series, period, full stop. If you're younger than that, then it, I I think that you could... uh, you, maybe maybe you would have a more open mind and and uh, it could 
be a better possibility as an entry point into fantasy. But for somebody who is coming at it with a, a more adult mindset, I uh, I think it would be really tough to recommend this as an entry point to fantasy. Uh, if you have proven that you really enjoy longer form storytelling, stuff that is not traditional in its, uh, in its structure or its formatting, then... Obviously, this is kind of the paragon of of long form story, but uh, I don't know. What do you guys think, real quick? Because we don't have a ton of time left. But uh, as far as that goes, absolutely agree with you. I mean, as a as a guy who, in his adult years, didn't read a whole lot of epic fantasy. I mean, I tried reading this, couldn't take. But after getting through Mistborn with you guys and all of the Sanderson stuff, and then getting to this, I I was able to slog through it and love it. I'll go back and reread it. I mean, but it's it is advanced fantasy, for lack of a better term, and and yeah, it, you've you've got to be ready for what you're getting into. But it's a great it's a great ride, yeah, for sure. Ryan, do you see the wheel of time standing the test of time? Uh, will people still be reading this in fifty years or a hundred years? Yes, but the praise and the the way that it is received will be different because this actually ties into what the recommendation question you just asked. Um, when the series was first being written at the very beginning, we had didn't have the surgence of um, geek culture and cinematic opportunity here, which has altered the way that we consume fantasy. Okay. Um, this, I think, this series when it was first be being written, um, was exactly what epic fantasy was was considered and should uh, supposed to be. Um, right now, if someone said, was trying to use it as an entry point, because of how much other fantasy that we consume on a much smaller level, I think this is hard to tell someone this is the way to recommend it. But as soon as you have an understanding and appreciation for the way epic fantasy began with Tolkien, with uh, earlier things, and, and with a pre- Marvel Universe. That's exactly life. what I was just thinking of. Was the Marvel Universe before we get in? Before that, if when you when you can appreciate that, then I can easily recommend this series as because you will have an understanding of what epic fantasy was originally meant to be, and it's altering, it's changing as time goes on. Um, the way that things are written is more cinematic. Not saying that's a bad thing. Yeah, I'm saying that that's a product of of the time that it's being written in, and this is. You can kind of feel it a little bit in the way that the books are written, the product of, of, of times changing. Um, so I would I would highly recommend it to someone who can understand that concept. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say if uh, people are reading this in 100 years, uh, I, I could easily see a college course uh, being devoted to the Wheel of Time as an artifact of what storytelling looked like at the turn of the 21st century and uh, the extreme long form, the intertwined worlds, the incredibly detailed characters and and all of that um it's this is uh for all of its faults and i know i've pointed out more than my fair share for all of its faults this is kind of the paragon of of this type of storytelling at least for the moment we'll see if sanderson can outdo it with um stormlight uh, Stormlight, but uh but for now this is it i mean i would even still i i almost put this as as its own era this is the 90s Maybe. 80s 90s era of epic fantasy even though it finished like just a few years ago you know or maybe early 2000s something like that but and sanderson is the next era this is kind of how i view <laughs> it 
All right, well, an hour and seven minutes in. Maybe we ought to call it. Goodness. Uh, I could I could talk about the Wheel of Time for a while, and like I said, we will do it again. So what I'll do is um, when we have an off week, uh, we haven't read a book, and there's no movies coming out, I want to come back to the Wheel of Time. And what I want to do, Kyle and I, Kyle and I have talked about this a little bit, um, we want to get to a lot of the questions and comments that we never were able to. So if you, dear listener, ever made a comment um, or ever wanted to make a comment but couldn't for fear of spoilers, uh, I hope you've been holding those in your back pocket. And I'll put another um, I'll, I'll put another question thread up on Reddit. And when we do that, uh, have those ready because I'm going to uh, I'm going to want to go back and talk about some of the things that we missed, some of the foreshadowing from earlier books. Um, characters that we didn't think mattered that ended up mattering quite a lot or vice versa and you know talk about the series as a whole in a way that we haven't gotten a chance to do obviously we're not um, we're not a wheel of time podcast and so we're not going to spend episode after episode after episode getting into all the nitty-gritty but I think it would be fun to go back and talk about the series as a whole with some of those details in place Um and uh, hopefully all of you listening will help us out with that um, and remind us of some of the fun questions and and answers that we should be looking for in that episode. So, you guys have anything else to say or should we cut and run? It's been an awesome ride. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Kyle, congratulations. You are now a baptized member of the Legendarium Podcast panelists. You're an awesome <laughs> It only took you uh, 30 and episodes yeah. and a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you've finished your first series on oh, the legendary. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what we'll have you back on, but uh, it'll it'll be on. I, I think we'll do. What's that guy? Patrick Rothfuss. Rothfuss. Yeah, you'll be on for Rothfuss. I think. Whatever we need, Kyle's keen insight on Mister Tumnus. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yes. Kyle has been tasked as we read through um, Narnia. Kyle has been tasked to do his best to catch up on Sanderson stuff, Cosmere yeah. stuff. Uh, so that he's going to be off doing that. Um, anyway, but mostly, I should say, once again, uh, thank you to everybody who's listening and thank you for uh, hanging out with us on the Legendarium and building us a subreddit and peopling it with all of your crazy, crazy usernames. And, uh, and thanks for the interaction there. Hopefully it's not done. I want you to stick around and uh, stick with us through the next series that we do. Uh, for a long, long time to come. I didn't ever think when we started this that we'd be doing it for four years, but now that we have, I'm like, hey, why not ten? Four Uh, more years. Four (laughs) more years. (laughs) All right, so thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time.